because I used to beat myself up mm. when I would uh, make mistakes because I learned to do that from other people beating me up when I made mistakes, right? So wow. you, you take that in. He was trying to do this thing that was difficult. And he, it's at the beginning of the song where he's, they're rolling the tape and he's got to kick it off. And he failed once. He failed again. He goes, oh, and, he, and he's so nice to himself. He goes, oh, come on, Roger. Like almost encouraging himself. And so now I noticed that yesterday I did something I was having a hard time with. And I've, I've learned to do that rather than get all frustrated and mad and things. I just go, no, Marty, it's just, it's so much easier that way. That is so cool. Yeah. And it's not a voice beating you up. It's a voice saying, come on, you can do it. Right. And it's also humbling, too, because the, the only reason to um, really beat myself up is if I'm proud enough to think I shouldn't be making that mistake. Mm-hmm. It's a way of being gentle with yourself. Hey, this is Matt Hook, the shepherd of The Shepherd and the Shrink. And I wanted to thank you for listening. And I would love if you want to continue to be able to hear good content like this to go on patreon.com the shepherd and the shrink and that's us we would love your support whether it's five dollars a month or twenty dollars a month it's really valuable and can help us out thanks you can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage strength and power hi i'm the shepherd and pastor dr matt hook And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, Matt, good afternoon. Good afternoon. We made it through 2-22-22 on a Tuesday. Yeah, and um, the vortex to hell didn't open up. That was one of the rumors (laughs) is that everybody knew. (laughs) Right? That and Y2K. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy times. And it kind of brings up what, what our topic is today, but I don't know if there's anything else that you need to tell me or tell our listeners. No, let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. And, and that whole thing is being swallowed up or hell opens up or the calendar aligns or the stars align or Y2K hits. And those are the silly ones. And yet there's also some legitimate things that mm-hmm. cause us to fear. Oh, and this has been the two years of fear. Mm-hmm. with the covid thing you know i mean that that ran the culture and, yeah. and still is to some degree yeah and and some people need to make choices like they make choices of eat this not that to not get around big crowds because they've had stuff going on so we can't judge people who aren't plugging in well, well, well no who said that though because i cannot be around crowds without fear i don't need fear to think right you know, because right. because uh, let me tell you why I say that, too. It's not judging. It's this. The third highest risk factor for hospitalization or death. OK, first was age. Second was BMI. Third mm-hmm. was anxiety disorders. So all that fear, I don't think helped because we could have done everything that we needed to do without risking our health because fear wrecks your immune system. I'll tell you that right now. I've, I have a little uh, girl that's really afraid just saw her yesterday was, was very healthy before this whole thing went down. And now um, she went to ER. She has all sorts of health problems. So you're not doing yourself any favor by uh, ramping fear up to that, to a level where it gets into your sleep, where it gets into your diet, where it gets into your relationships, where it gets into your mood, because it doesn't help at that level. It helps us to jump out of the way of a moving vehicle or something like that, but it's horrible for our health. Wow. 
That's yeah. that's so crazy because fear is an emotion. Fear is like, ah, you go to the movie to get scared. You go on a roller coaster to experience a thrill. Of when we can control fear. it. Yeah. When we can control it, it's, it can be fun. Right. But when it's out of our control, uh, then that's when we feel like we're trapped in it. OK, because look, if we didn't have fear, we would all be dead. We would walk through traffic. Right. So it's there to preserve us, but it's, it's not there to be constant and persistent in our lives. It's there to identify a threat so we can do something about it, avoid it or extinguish the threat or something like that. But to live in fear and also the Bible has a lot to say about fear, too. We're commanded over and over to, to, to be fearless, to not fear it. One of my favorite verses in scripture, like top favorites, is Psalm 27 that says this, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's a beautiful one. I had that in my notes. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Okay. So then the listener, maybe a fearful person, you know, that, that doesn't know what to do about it. It's going to go, okay, that helps a lot. How yeah. do I do that? Don't fear. Uh, right. Oh, thanks. I never yeah. thought of that. But but I want to talk about that because I've got a list at the end that we can go through of some sub- suggestions that might be helpful to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be great. You know, the thing about fear is, and I don't even remember which one of our generals or presidents said we have nothing to fear but fear itself. But FDR was it? I think it was FDR. Yeah. But the idea is, I think that we fear rejection. This isn't just physical threats. Mm-hmm. We fear rejection. We fear that somehow we are going to be inadequate. Mm-hmm. I know you talk about uh, one of the things that you're helping people with is to overcome the fear that I'm not going to be okay. That I think that that's the big one because all those things that you mentioned, like I'm going to be rejected and now my reputation sabotaged, I'm going to miss out on some relationships or opportunities. So I'm not going to be okay. It, it all comes down to that. I think mm-hmm. fear of loot of the future. I think there's a fear of the future. Yeah, the future is going to come and I'm not going to be okay. Because, because, because there's a difference because nobody knows what's going to happen. Come on, let's not kid ourselves. I have no idea what's going to happen the rest of the day. I, I'd li- I know what I'd like to happen, but some people go into a, are hurled into an unknown future like we all are without any fear. And some people have that fear in going into the future. And the difference, I think the major difference is um, if I assume I'm going to be okay, no matter what, then I can relax a little bit and move into the future, an unknown future, right? Yeah. Isn't that weird that we trend toward fear? I was reading Dr. Brene Brown, who's got a bajillion followers on her TED Talks. She deals with shame and things like that. She uses this illustration to paint a picture of a young family of four people. It's Christmas Eve. They're driving to grandma's house and it's snowing outside and they're singing when Jingle Bells comes on in the car. And if you're the director and this is a movie cut, if you're the director, what's the next scene? 60% of the people say it's a car crash. What? Of the people who just are, she paints this picture for him. And then 10 to 15% of the rest beyond the 60% say it's bad news. Cutting to the next scene. It's just, we tend to have a lot more pessimism, maybe because of fear. But also, I I think there might be a confound in that study, too, because you've already put the context as a movie. So, you know, there's going to be some drama coming. Yeah. You know, you could have done it like, you know, imagine yourself. Right. Going to your house. 
But have you ever been in a time of your life where things are going really well and you're like, yeah, for now. Oh, I lived that way. For, or just wait. For yeah. most of my life, I lived that way. Say more. Prior to coming to Christ, right? And finding the way there was always a either low level or high level of things aren't going to be okay for me, right? And I had no peace because of, of mm. that. So um, that was that was just my way. And through, uh, you know, therapy, but mostly, you know, Christ. And then I was humble enough to actually go and get some therapy for it. This was a while back. Um, then, then that helped as well. But, but yeah, um, so, so I know what to, I know what it's like to be afraid all the time. And I know what it's like to live without fear because I'm not a fearful person anymore. I've got other things. I've um, irascibility, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can I got to struggle through uh, some annoyances and things like that. But that's kind of my competitive side, probably. I need to yeah. rein in. Yeah. How about you? What's fear like in your life? How much of a, a space does it occupy, Matt? My biggest fear, I would say, is that people would realize how incompetent I really am. Oh, Matt. In certain areas of my life. Oh, that I, yeah. Like, what is his problem? And he leads other people in, in life or whatever two things you have i don't think you have much to worry about there but the other thing is you are pretty exposed like you're at the center with a lot of eyes on you too so you know it'd be hard not to feel some pressure from that mm-hmm. and no matter what you do someone's gonna like it and no matter what you do someone's not gonna like it because that's just right. a matter of taste and right <laughs> and honestly because of my faith i know that god is god i know god is that changes everything. And, and then when you understand the Christian worldview that, that God has come to us in Christ and left his spirit with us, when we simply surrender to him, um, that completely wipes out my fear. Mm-hmm. And that Psalm 27, I learned it as a song in kids choir in church growing up. Um, and it, it was an anthem. And it's that good. It's that true. And I think it's such a different answer because it's not like, Jesus didn't say the world's going to hate you. The world's going to hurt you. You know, you're going to be in for it. That's what Jesus told people. People are going to take from you. They're going to hurt you. Yes. They're going to hate you. And he's got an answer to that, I think. But when I'm not in that mindset, it's easy to think, okay, I'm just going to be a doormat. I'm just going to yeah, turn into a puddle. I'm going to be weak. I'm just going to let people do that and not care. Or the opposite, we become completely callous. Yeah. I become numb. And so because I'm so numb, I don't fear, but I don't love or do anything else because I'm so numb. I'm so, it's like I've got cement around my heart. I've got cement around my life. Mm -hmm. So nobody can get in, nobody can get out, but I think I'm safe, but that's the opposite of what no that's good that, that's a common one too i'm not surprised that's 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 a big one that we see all the time and that was the big one for me too and what was driving mine that self-consciousness was yeah. um i didn't know it but it was for me it was pride and arrogance i i just didn't know how to be humble do you know now i look at myself as like look i mean I'm surprised I don't make more mistakes, really, because it's the world's complicated. People are complicated and all that. I'm, I'm pretty, but I'm never surprised if I fail. Mm-hmm. I've learned to take the position of rather than judge myself or feel embarrassed or something like that, I stop and 
try to problem solve it. So I, I make it not about me and about the action. So what, okay, why did that happen? You know, why did I miss my prayer rule today? I don't have to get down on myself or something like that. Or, or I say something stupid. Okay, well, you know, l- let me think, why did I, I could have just said this. Mm-hmm. So next time I'll do that. So it's like, congratulations, Marty, you just um, learned something, <laughs> you know? How does fear weave in and out of that? How does it weave in and out of that? Well, um, I mean, fear is a self-conscious emotion, uh, self-preservation. Mm-hmm. That's what it's there for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what it is. So the more self-conscious we are, then um, the more likely we are to have anxiety. Because the big anxiety um, problem that we usually see, if it's not just generalized anxiety, it is that social anxiety. And mm. social anxiety is the fear of being embarrassed or judged or rejected, you know, because we are social creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of the, the thing is I'm, I'm fearful of being vulnerable because if mm. I'm invulnerable, then I don't care if people laugh at me. I don't care if I do something wrong. If I'm vulnerable, I'm woundable. Okay. Yeah. I want you to say more about vulnerability because that, that's a good word. I think vulnerable, it literally means able to be wounded. And I think that we fear that because who wants to be wounded? Not, right? Not fun, right. Yeah. And it matters whether or not people accept me. It matters to be competent. The future matters. But if I care about it, then I'm woundable. And so my response is to be invulnerable, but that's impossible. And so my backup response is, well, if I can't be invulnerable, then I'm just going to not care. I'm just going to go around acting like I don't care. So I numb the fear. I numb the anxiety and whatever pain that I should be going through, I become numb. Yeah. That's you just shut down or withdraw. That, that's what people do with social anxiety. I mean, cause look, that's really a problem for people who have it because there's the drive to be with people and to be accepted because that makes us feel safe and we can calm down. But then there's that fear that someone's going to really see me, right? And if they see me, they're going to think about me probably in exactly the way I think about me. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. really like me that much because I've seen every you see stupid everything. thing I've ever done. And I, I remember every mistake I've ever done or every time I was rejected yeah. um, or judged or. Yeah. Or I didn't know what was going on that everybody else seemed to know. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Brene Brown, again, says, uh, because of this fear, and because of this fear of being vulnerable, uh, we have become, here's what she says, the most addicted, medicated, obese, and in-depth adult cohort in human history. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again, because of this fear of being vulnerable or woundable, because that fear is driving us, we become the most addicted, medicated, obese, and in-debt people group in all history. And I think because all those things are attempts to numb ourselves. Uh, it's a self-soothe, mm-hmm. right? And the problem is it works. Temporarily, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it causes do, us way more problems. Exactly. You got to pay that price after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess because you can't selectively numb yourself. I can't say if I'm going to numb myself from just my anxiety, the problem is I'll numb myself. I'll numb the joy right out of my life. Or if I numb myself... In this area, you know, from these people, I'm going to numb myself from my wife or my kids. Or That's very true, because one of the worst experiences, especially if you've ever had major depressive disorder, if anyone out there has had that, is the emptiness. Okay, and emptiness is where you just dissociate and you just can't feel anything. That's worse than feeling pain, mm. right? 
seems like a relief for a while, but it's not, is it? Um, I don't even know if it's a relief for a while because it, because it, it means that there's no meaning in your life. And we do not like that, right? We need the purpose and meaning in life to get us out of bed and to acknowledge that, hey, life can be re- really good. And so I'm glad that I'm here. That numbing out, right? That empty, meaningless feeling is um, never pleasant as far as I know. Yeah. Well, what's the price psychologically of not caring? of allowing fear to put me in the place where I don't care so that I'm not woundable. I'm not vulnerable. Well, meaning for one thing, missed opportunities, belonging to people. We've already talked about in other podcasts that the um, health price tag on um, loneliness Mm. and isolation, it can kill us. So it's heavy. It reminds me of that Harvard study that we talk about every once in a while. Uh-huh. simply church participation mm-hmm. adds 10 years to a life. I believe that there's something about going into a place where people are aiming at the higher things, you know, God and singing together and everyone, mostly you, we assume are in agreement that yeah. we're going to um, love one another. You know, how many places can you go to get that really? Hmm. That's true. One. <laughs> a campfire. A little bit at home. If you, bowling if you league. Into a little chair. <laughs> you bowling. Now, those are some impressive athletes, those bowlers. <laughs> you watch out. <laughs> there, anyway, that's so funny. I like bowling. What do we do? How do we go if what you and I are talking about is something that's resonating with That's a great question. Um, Now, do we want to go like all in and solve the big problem or do we want just little, you know, sort of remedies that we can use here? Well, we need some traction so that we, Uh so we can at least get forward momentum enough to go all in. So how about we break it down? I think that the big solution, and this is going to sound odd and um, we should talk about this a little bit, but I think the fear of the Lord, if we understand what that means, because I have been struggling with understanding what that means because my experience of God was, oh, I have a loving force Mm -hmm. above me. I have Christ above me and he will take care of me and love me. And I felt all these, you know, warm fuzzies and all that stuff. And I thought, how, how am I supposed to fear that? So what's your understanding of fear of the Lord? What do they mean? Because it's not like run away. Here comes God. Right. Doesn't mean that. What what does it mean? Well, I think it has to do with God's maybe his number one attribute, which is holiness. Uh Holiness means pure, but holiness also means so pure that you can't even approach. Holiness means set apart. Mm -hmm. Holiness is powerful. It's not weak. It's not wimpy. It's awe-inspiring. And I mean, that's our reaction to it. But holiness Mm -hmm. would be like sheer light. Holiness would be like approaching the sun, you know, that the holiness of God means the set apartness of God. And when it, in the old Testament, you know, Moses approaches God, God says, take off your sandals, Moses, because you're standing on holy ground because I am here. And anything that dirt, unholy things, the earthly mundane things cannot stand up to God's holiness. And, And he even calls the spirit that he puts in us 
He doesn't call it the joyful spirit. He doesn't call it the friendly spirit. He calls it the Holy Spirit because it's that part of God's, not part of God, it's, it's all of God calling us to not just throw everything into this world, that, that there is more. Like you said, people in church, they're aiming at something more. Yeah, the highest thing. The highest thing, the, the awe, awe-inspiring thing, mm-hmm. the thing that the mystery that we can't understand. Yeah. yeah, holiness is not like the church lady from Saturday Night Live, you know. Saying, oh, I must be Satan. <laughs> what did she say? Is Satan. It, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she thought everything was Satan. Right. That was like her suspicion for everything. No. Yeah, holiness is so much what we're looking for. That transcendent. We're not attached to all of this stuff of the world anymore. Attribute of God. And I think, I think that's, there's, there's a healthy respect, fear. Oh my gosh, this is so much beyond me sense that that's what, that when you talk about the fear of the Lord, to me, it's this holiness of God and the, the equal realization that I am not. Yes. Holy. I am not that free. I am not that pure. I am. I'm somewhere off of that. And so I need to lean into that because I want that in my life. Well, and when you feel that, when you have that awareness and you walk around with that awareness, who the guy that didn't like your sermon and walked out of it doesn't matter that much anymore. It's so small, right? And some of these other big fears, we can live with them now because that, so this works out psychologically too. Say more. Okay. So if we think about um, fear, it ranges in intensity. So, so it goes from highest intensity would be terror, mm-hmm. right? And that usually only lasts a little, we can't endure that too long, okay? Terror then goes to fear and then apprehension because apprehension is, is, is a lower level of fear, right? Oh, I don't want to go into that. I don't want to give the speech or something like that, okay? And then also put a pin in that and let's think about amazement or surprise. So surprise is an emotion. And it ranges the intense part of surprise is amazement, and it goes to surprise, and then it goes to, to distraction. That's the lowest level of surprise, you know, because you're not oriented towards one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we take a look at terror and amazement, it's awe, or fear and surprise, it's awe. And that's the experience that I think that we have when we, um, because that's what I had. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why uh, there's tears of repentance. Because you fully, fully know where you were for the first time in this way and that there's something above you. And then what do you do? You just fall down and worship. Right. Right. That's so good. Healthy respect would be another on that end of the fear spectrum. Like, wow, I really respect that. I I am not that. Well, yeah, I super respect it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I adore it. I mean, that's. Mm -hmm. That, that's kind of how I think now, but now let's remember, let's go back. The more we can live in that space, the less fear we'll have about the worldly things. Like you mentioned, we won't conform to the patterns of the world. We'll um, feel the, the, the safety of uh, being under something so much bigger, so, so much more important, you know. How does somebody whose level of fear may be closer to the terror side begin to take the edges off that look at that point you need treatment this is not 
just annoying. This is a health issue if you're out there. And, and, and then you have to find out why, because some people are traumatized and have been traumatized or something like that. So um, I think going to clergy is those two things together, because look, there are some things beyond psychology and psychiatry. We help to reduce symptoms and, you know, we do some other things too, but you don't pay us for wisdom. Right. So I think you need both if you're going to have that experience, that awe experience, you know, but in other words, get help. Yeah. Don't try to figure it out yourself. I know for my fear of, of being vulnerable or my fear of, of being seen as incompetent, um, what has really helped me is reaching out to other people. For um, just like reassurance and for things, life, to, and not to not to sound like the whiny person. Yeah, no, every, Matt, everybody is dealing with this. What you're talking about, everybody probably. Yeah, yeah, and I realize, okay, if I'm not good at something, but I've got to attempt something, I better get some other people around me who are good at other things than I am. So it's helped me build amazing teams of people who can accomplish great things together. That's been one of the great results of me facing that fear that, or not even the fear, but the reality, okay, you don't have to be good at everything. You know, any false thinking that says, oh, you suck, you stink, you're not good at this. For me to reach out to other people and say, no, I'm not, but I know that she is amazing at managing financial project. I'm not even sure I would want to be good at everything. Cause that's a lot of responsibility and a lot of invitations. Um, you know, so, so the other thing that, that goes right under to underscore what you're saying is I think humility is the other aspect that, that, that helps us with that mm. because to, to, to admit to ourselves that like, look, I'm not so good at this and you're better than this um, is humbling, but also that awe thing that we had, you get very humbled. A true repentance will humble you. You'll see your flaws and you will, uh, but you won't judge yourself if it's done, if, if you have the experience of God, right? Because God forgives, right? But humility helps me a lot too. So it's a lot easier if you do something embarrassing to just, you know, admit it, say it. Oh gosh. What I learned to do is this. I got this actually from a Roger Miller. You know who he is? Roger, King of the Road, right? I think I mentioned this in another podcast. That was my first song I ever learned to play in seventh King of the Road? grade, just by chords on the piano. That's a great song, but why did you learn King of the Road? I was playing classical piano and I would get sick to my stomach. And my mom said, okay, that's enough. She switched piano teachers after taking a month off. And I started playing with this cool guy that played in piano bars and with a rock band. And he taught me how to play chords, not just read the notes. And the first song that we worked on was King of the Road. Yeah, that's a good trailer um, for sailor rent. Yeah, right. Um, so I was listening because I used to beat myself up Mm. when I would uh, make mistakes because I learned to do that from other people beating me up when I made mistakes. Right. So you you take that in. He was trying to do this thing that was difficult. And it's at the beginning of the song where he's they're rolling the tape and he's got to kick it off. And he failed once. He failed again. He goes on and he's so nice to himself. He goes, oh, come on, Roger like almost encouraging themselves. And so now I noticed that yesterday I did something I was having a hard time with. And I've, I've learned to do that rather than get all frustrated and mad and things. I just go, oh, Marty, it's just, it's so much easier that way. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a voice beating you up. It's a voice saying, come on, you can do it. 
Right. And it's also humbling too, because the, the only reason to um, really beat myself up is if I'm proud enough to think I shouldn't be making that mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a way of being gentle with yourself. Yeah. God gave me an ability to laugh at myself. Good for you. There you go. And that's been such, uh, I can crack myself up by things I attempt and I'm yeah. so bad or I'm so wrong or, you know, and I, it's, there's some stuff I got to figure out and I got to take it seriously. But at the same time, I'm like, you, you're a moron. See, we can take things seriously, but we don't have to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because like, it, it seems like there's, we're, we're very egotistical society and it's getting worse and worse to the point where someone agrees with me. I, I take it as an affront. Um, <laughs> w- w- not me personally, because I don't want to get into that game, but. Um, right. Right. But you know, Hey, look, if, if you're disagreeing with me, you might improve me in some way. You might point out something that I don't know or whatever, but if I've got that much pride uh, and pride is subtle, man, because I really think that this is, I mean, that's what, what dropped uh, Lucifer um, from the heavens. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's so subtle sometimes, you know, it's so hard to see it works on us in ways that we don't always know. We got to dive into pride from a psychological and spiritual standpoint too. For sure, man. Cause that, that's at the, that's at the center of this stuff. Now we think that pride means, Oh, I'm proud of you. We're not using the word in that way. Right. It's got multiple definitions. It's self-love and puffing ourselves up Mm -hmm. and doesn't feel good. This kind of pride I'm talking about doesn't feel good. Right. It feels really bad. Oh yeah. Or we put ourselves down, but we're still all about ourselves. That is pride though. You're exactly right. 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 Because abused children who are yelled at a lot and criticized a lot, they don't realize it, but that's, that's, they've been taught to be egomaniacs because it's all about them. Now it's not all about them um, for a good reason. It's all about them because they have to watch very carefully because if they make a mistake and all eyes are on me, uh, that feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. performing, it can be painful to watch. Yeah. So thinking about other people helps a lot too and not focusing on myself mm-hmm. and with fear right on all of these things you know the self-conscious emotions we talk about all the time don't we they're, they're no no good <laughs> yeah it's what drives us to needing help beyond ourselves in every way for sure it does yeah fear of embarrassment and judgment and all of that is, is has the, the pride at the at the center of it i think right right yeah. back to fear one of the things that could mean fear is the opposite of love is if fear drives us to not caring to complete apathy, which means I am not going to get emotional. I'm not going to get wounded. I'm going to be completely invulnerable to whatever you could do to me because I fear the hurt and, and the price of, of responding in that worldly way versus the Christian spiritual way to fear is I lose. Because I'm not just going to lose hurt and pain. I'm going to lose joy and love. I'm going to lose peace. I'm going to lose. If I numb myself from the fear of losing, I'm going to numb myself from the desire to live. If I care, I'll be hurt. If I attach, I'll be taken. Yes, that's true. But what's the price of not caring? C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. You know that. And people probably tell him. He talks about there is no safe investment to love anything at all, even an animal, is to be vulnerable. You give your heart to something, it's going to be broken. So C.S. Lewis, I think himself, for a long time as a bachelor, 
for mo- most of his adult life, avoided all of that, all entanglements. Mm-hmm. He said, and, and he has a great quote talking about, the only place that's safe is in the casket of aloneness, where we can be unbreakable, we can be impenetrable. But the problem is when we get like that, we become irredeemable. And so the alternative to being hurt is to be so impenetrable and so unbreakable when we become that unbreakable, we can't care, we can't love, we can't do anything. And that's basically the Christian definition of damnation. Yeah. And, and he has this powerful line, the only place outside of heaven where you can be safe from the dangers and risks of love is hell. Yeah. It takes courage to be vulnerable. If we're putting up all of these protections against fear, that we're basically building our own casket. Is kind of what he's saying. So to love is going to be, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be vulnerable, but you're not going to be it alone. And you're not going to be weak when you're vulnerable. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's courageous. It is. It's very courageous. Um, and, and that kind of reminds me that, or I think it fits in with this, like some of our toughest moments are when people will go to God. That was me when I was just absolutely at my end. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think here's why, because there's nothing left. All those other things that you think you can do by yourself. Stripped away. Stripped away. All, all of the things you did to self-medicate or self-soothe. You've given up on all of that stuff. And what's left after that? You know, the thing that will save you. Mm-hmm. I heard someone say, when, when the world walks out on you, that's when God could walk in. Mm-hmm. And that's when we, as, as good people, as Christians, when the world walks out, that's when we walk in. That's why you don't write anybody off. Yes. Yeah. Instead, what I've learned, I'm learning to do is mm-hmm. um, remember myself doing exactly what they're doing and how bad it was, mm-hmm. how bad it felt, and then to respond with some compassion for the person. And it's so much easier for me that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that that's been happening for me in the evenings, and I don't think it's too much caffeine, but it could be, is I'm just agitated. Okay. It's not fear, but it's this agitation and I can't shut it off. Maybe some people feel that. What, oh, for sure. Um, th- there's, there's a phenomenon called uh, sundowning where people like, really, that's the thing when the, when the sun goes down, then all that agitation mm-hmm. comes up. What, um, what thoughts go along with that? Are there thoughts? I think I think it's as many emotions as it is thoughts. Okay. But it's not so much a worry. It's like I'm looking for something. It's this dissatisfaction. Uh-huh. And so, so, you know, you start scrolling online. You go yeah. to the TV and you're clicking, clicking, clicking. You look at your hobbies, your interests, and it's kind of a numbing. I suppose we just, we, we had a podcast about this a couple of yeah. years ago on acedia because that's, that's one way that acedia shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, not wanting what is present, that feeling of not wanting, right. It's a feeling here, but not here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, that there's something better in the future and it brings, it can bring in that feeling. It can bring in sadness, it can bring in, um, it robs us of joy. And what I just need to do is go to bed. So it's a, it's kind of a will thing. If I were just to lay down 
even if I have to plug some headphones in because my wife's already asleep or whatever, just I need to choose that instead of continuing to look to answer this. If you can do that, but that's very hard to do when you're agitated. So um, myself, I, I would need something else because in my struggle with Acedia, what I learned to do is morning prayer rule and a rule of prayer at night. So then that what that does, it takes me out of the world, right? Mm-hmm. The, the feelings of, um, what did you say? Agitation. And Agitation. And yeah. then it reminds me, but, you know, and especially if you can do it in a ritualistic way and have a room for it or, or an area for it, it really helped me a lot. And if you want, you can have candles or whatever else that you like, but actually have a rule of prayer that's familiar to me and read a Psalm, whatever you do. That's good. Mm-hmm. And that could help with what we would call fear as well. For sure. Yeah. Cause ACD is the sin of our time. I mean, we want to get too far off track, but we are talking about fear and that's, that's, that's part of it because, because fear is, is also apprehension. I don't like what I have right now. This is not good enough. It's not satisfying me. I'm irascible. If you're me or agitated, if you're you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What else psychologically do you need to share about fear or as you've looked at the scriptures as a psychologist? that jumps out at you okay like you said it's an emotion the emotions are physical so the better we take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. nutrition matters a lot we're learning more and more about what that has to do on the effects of what we take into our body on mood Mm -hmm. very much that sleep thing that you were talking about man that so pays off if if you if you value and protect your sleep right as if it's something very, very valuable to you. I, th- I think you'll like what happens. Um, activity levels. When we move, uh, when we stress the body, we calm the mind. So you and I, and we're going to start doing this again when my clinic moves back to Dexter, we're going to be taking those walks again. But I tried getting outside a, a lot. Um, on the spiritual side, we talked a little bit about a prayer rule, or maybe it's, you know, um, the, the groups. You do a lot of groups. That really helps, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. the men that you bring together. And then there's the psychosocial stuff. You're going to feel rather agitated if you don't have people in your life. So that's the social stuff, good relationships. And if they're bad relationships, guess what? Subtract them or limit them. You know, some people you just can't get away from. And then there's the psychological part of it. We're talking a little bit about this, like our, our orientation towards God, our thoughts. I'd say this, take every thought captive, right? like Paul said, we take every thought, which means this, don't trust any thought. Nobody even knows where they come from. Nobody know, really knows what they are. You know, we can find some brain activity that correlates with it, but we don't know what a thought is, what that experience is. Why trust those things? Because the demons work through thoughts, mm-hmm. right? So let's not um, invite them in and start working with them, right? So it's really about love, like showing some love and TLC for yourself. That helps a lot. It's so good. And then guess what? You got calm body. Because fear is a threat emotion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's why fear and love are so different because love is not a threat emotion. Love is like more, bring it in. I can live here, right? Fear is that, uh-oh, don't like. That something's going to hurt me, right? Or, or make me miserable or overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're doing a lot of those already. A lot of them are, are good in place. I need to do better on sleep. And just putting things away and saying, that's enough for a day. When I got my sleep together, because there was a guy who was talking to me about this and he just wouldn't shut up about it. He's like, oh my God, you got to go to bed before 10 or by 10. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, whatever. 
And then right. when I started doing, I realized it's sort of like I'm, I'm going to evangelize this stuff because that's how good it is. So I, I want to encourage everyone to like really prioritize that, really protect it because you, that's mm-hmm. one thing that will, if someone wants to tap into your sleep, it better be real, real good reason. That's, a, that's the limit I have on it, right? I'm not going to Netflix binge something, right? If it's going past my bedtime, because I know how valuable that sleep is. Here's one other thing, and this can be applied at any time, but next week on Wednesday, it's what Christendom calls Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. leading into the 40 days of Lent. There's a Christian calendar year people might not know, and it technically begins with the beginning of Advent, four weeks before Christmas, and then the Christmas season, then Epiphany, where people began to recognize, and it follows the life of Jesus. So it's the prophets leading up to Jesus, the birth of Jesus. It's about Epiphany, which is the realization people started having that this guy is God. They had an epiphany. It leads to Lent, which is remembering the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness and the 40 days of searching and the, the suffering and the emptying of himself that Christ went through that leads to Holy Week, which is, begins with Palm Sunday and ends with Easter. And then it goes on to the Easter and then Pentecost for the rest of the second half of the year, basically. But the season of Lent has always been associated with giving something up or taking something on, fasting. More pra- deeper prayer, almsgiving. Yeah. 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 I had a couple notes on that. Yeah. I'd like to hear it. Not for a whole session, but the idea of, you know, some spiritual disciplines are to engage us and some are spiritual disciplines of abstinence. And what would it look like? You know, like solitude is one, fasting is one, where we abstain from things. What would it look like for 40 days if we were to abstain from things that contributed to taking away our fear, to pouring fear into our lives? What would be some things that I could do to abstain from trending toward fear, doctor? Well, again, we sort of said this is like when when you're at your um, end of the line and nothing matters is when we go to God. Well, that's kind of what we're acting out, playing out here ritualistically, which means so if I'm going to abstain from something, my tension's going to go somewhere. My focus has to go somewhere and it goes to God. So it's there to deepen prayer. So we read more scripture um you know put put god at the at the top of that and uh, replace the other things that sat that you know satisfied us on a small level with something's going to satisfy us on a on a greater level because when people people are afraid to fast because it left our culture right so we think that and we're so conditioned that i can't not these days a fast is i'll give up chocolate well you know come on, you'll get something maybe out of that, but you could deepen that a little bit. It's not unpleasant or unenjoyable, but the point is, is we do that not for its just health benefits, although there are many, Mm -hmm. we do it so we can focus more on the most important thing. Boy, that sounds good. Yeah. Pick up the pace on that, on the prayer. Mm -hmm. And part of it is to grow love. I think that's the goal, really. We can't shut ourselves down from fear because you can't selectively do it. So we need to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, not invulnerable, not doormats, but people who serve. You know, there's a great way to think about that. Well, that's really helpful. I think I I liked what you said. Listen, you can fast not just during Lent. You can abstain from whatever it is that you need to abstain. Get some support around you and replace what you're taking away 
with the higher priority. Right. Yeah. And see what God can do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are a provider. You are the one who is our strength and our shield. You are the one who is a tower of refuge and strength, a, a mighty fortress. God, that is who you are and you love us infinitely. That in itself, if we were to dive in and fully comprehend what that means, would sure take away fear. And I thank you, God, for that Psalm 27 that I didn't even know was a psalm. It was just this melody that I learned as a kid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? God, thank you that you love us infinitely. Thank you, God, that we want to have the, the right kind of fear, awe, reverence, respect for you. Let that be our solution. And let us begin to lean into that. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.